Students Podcast. My name is JT Stead, and I'm your host. I'm also the student and outreach pastor here at Redeemer Church. And what you're about to listen to was a sermon that was preached at our Wednesday night gathering from 6.30 to 8.30 with our students. So I hope that this sermon is encouraging and a blessing to you today. Thanks for listening. About him, some of you don't know anything about him, so just a quick overview of what his journey was or what his life was sort of like. Is He was born in a, a small German town. And after becoming a lawyer, then he became a monk. But as it turns out, he was kind of a really terrible monk. He gave his first mass he was supposed to, but he ended up running away. It was because he saw God as so holy and righteous. He saw the sin in himself. And Luther was dealing with the same question of justification of how can I be made right or declared innocent before this holy God who should punish me for my sins. And so he runs away from that. And then he spends more time in the confessional confessing his sins than he actually does hearing people confess his sins, which is not... Um, a very good monk. And so he kind of gets kind of pushed out of that and he becomes a college professor. And Luther does something in the college which is actually sort of revolutionary for his day. For us, it's taken for granted a little bit and we do it all the time. We're going to do it tonight. But Luther, in order to teach the Bible, he actually opened the Bible and he taught from the scriptures as opposed to just teaching the scriptures because the church at that time was just teaching what they had been taught and it was old traditions. But now Luther opened the word of God which is living and active and he, he taught from the actual scriptures. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. So we're planted in Galatians 2. Now we know Luther for the 95 Theses. Have you guys heard of, everyone heard of the 95 Theses? Yeah? All right, October 31st is when he nailed it to the church door in Wittenberg. But Luther later realized that his 95 Theses were all just symptoms for a much bigger problem in the church. He was giving the church, uh, he was asking the church to take cough syrup when the church really had COVID and it wasn't going to help them. So he later realized that the main problem with the church at that time was that they had messed up, perverted, and twisted the doctrine of justification. That's what the problem was in the Catholic Church. That's why we celebrate Reformation Day, because that truth was restored. Now, in Galatians, Paul is actually reminding the Galatian church of the same thing that Luther reminded that church of, the Catholic Church of in his time, and the same thing that we're going to talk about tonight. That is the question of justification, or the doctrine of justification. So if you're in Galatians 2, a little bit of background The Galatian church had been planted, and Paul um, was writing to them because false teachers had come into their midst, and they had said, okay, you've been been saved, yeah, you've been been justified, but now that you've been justified, we also need to add uh, some ceremonial laws. You need to, like, do washings, you need to be circumcised, and, like, all this different stuff. They were adding things on to the justification that the Galatian church had already received. And so Paul, you, you have to know Paul's attitude when you're coming into this into this book. When you're coming into Galatians, this isn't some like, like old theological treatise that you should fall asleep on. Paul comes out swinging in the beginning of this. In Galatians 6, he says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. And then further down, he says, as we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one that you received, let him be accursed. And the word there translates anathema in Greek. And then back into English, it literally means damned. Paul's saying these people who are telling you that you have to be justified, but then you have to do works after that, they need to be damned. They, they, there's no room for that. Justification is a pure doctrine. We need to keep it pure and remember what it is. And so in Galatians 2.16, if you could distill the book of Galatians down into just one verse, which is what Paul's done for us in Galatians 2.16, and that's what we're going to read from uh, tonight. So go to Galatians 2.16. And we'll read it. Paul says, yet we know, we're sure of this, 
that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And so we also believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not at all by works of the law because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So coming out of this, we have to, we have to ask this. I have three questions for you guys tonight. If you're taking notes, this will help you. There's an outline. We have three questions that I want to ask tonight. The first question is, what is justification? What do I mean when I'm talking about the doctrine of justification? Just what does it mean? Justification, as Paul writes here, it literally means to declare innocent or to, to declare just, to uh, render or show or regard as free of guilt, totally clean. That's what Paul's writing about. That's what Luther wrote about. And that's what we're talking about right now. Justification asks this question. How is it that I can be declared free of guilt before God? And then how is it that I can receive the right to inherit eternal life because of that? So that's the question we started with. And that is, that is the, like if you could take the heart of justification is how, how is it that I can be free from guilt before God, declared free of guilt before God? As we're talking today, I want, I want to make it a little bit more personal for you too. As we're talking today about justification, big word. But think about yourself being in the throne room of that holy God that we sang about. Think about all the things you've done, including the worst of them. And, and feel that tension. You're before God, before, in the throne room of God on judgment day. And when you stand before him, the question is, what is your plea going to be? What are you going to say to God when he says, should I condemn you as unjust or are you righteous? That's the question of justification. That's what I want you to think about. Justification answers that for us. And so second question we want to ask. That was quick. Second question we want to ask. How is, how is justification accomplished and how is it applied? Galatians 2.6 gives us the answer to this one as well, actually. It says that we are justified by grace through faith in Christ. Let's go with what Paul says. Paul says, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law. Take that first one. Flat out, right out of the gate. He just, boom, not by works of the law. That's the first thing that you have to know about justification is that it doesn't work to be justified by works of the law. That's what Paul says. It's the first words out of his mouth, almost as if he can't say it fast enough. And so if it's not by works of the law, that means that it has to be completely of grace. Justification is not by works of the law, but completely of grace, Paul says. And so... We live in an age of performance, all of us. Whether you're in sixth grade and you're playing sports or you're in 12th grade and you're looking into taking the SAT and ACT or already have because you're an overachiever and um, you're looking into what college you can get into. We are all living in an age of performance. And we, measure, we, we begin to measure our worth by what we can do, just as the world measures our worth by what we can do. In your grades, in your social status, your acceptance among your friends, in titles and trophies, um, a status of a relationship. This is how the world's defining you. And so what Paul says here is actually completely revolutionary. We hear it a lot, especially if you've grown up in the church. You're not justified by works of the law. What Paul's saying is actually insanely revolutionary because he's saying the gospel says that you're not justified by works of the law, but solely of grace, which means that justification is something that comes completely outside of you, that has nothing to do with you but that it is someone wor- working on you or declaring something on you, not something that you do. So when we're looking at the law, Paul, Paul writes Galatians, but he also let, writes Romans. And in Romans, he talks more about the law. And he says in Romans 3.20 that the, by the works of the law, 
There's not a single human being who will be justified in God's sight. Because, Paul says, through the law comes knowledge of sin. And so I'm telling you today, if, you are, if you're trying to live according to the law, that there is a far better way. But if, if you continue living like that, if you continue living in a, in, in a performance-based mindset all the time, especially when it comes to salvation, that will not get you to heaven. That will not get you declared righteous before God. So that one's out in your, in your throne room plea when you're standing before God. It can't be on the, work, on the basis of the law. It's like the, Paul, or the law asks us what's impossible. It's like um, Colton. Colton's a pitcher. If I ask Colton to pitch a ball at 990 miles per hour, humanly impossible. Or, or some of you um, scholars in here, if I ask you to take a test and you have to get 200% right in order to get into heaven, Humanly impossible. Foodies, I'm going to ask you to eat 50 hamburgers in 30 seconds. If they're Big Macs, you would die anyways. <laughs> but, but you can't do it. It's humanly impossible. That's what the law is. You, the silliness of those things, trans, transport that to the law. The law is asking what you could never do. And, and as another illustration... Trying to fulfill the law is like trying to run at you as a hamster, trying to run to the end of the hamster wheel. It's going over and over and over again. It's a cycle. And so even beyond that, actually, though, I have to tell you other bad news, which is not only that you can't obey the law perfectly, but also that there's a sin nature in you, which renders you completely dead and completely unjust before God. And so in order to understand grace properly, we have to understand where, where we're at, where we're coming from as human beings. And some of, you, some of you may be gardeners. Who likes to garden in here? Some, okay, whose parents likes to garden in here? Okay, bigger show up. I like to garden. But when you're gardening, there's, there's this compost. And you put like Fritos from last Taco Tuesday. And you put like some lettuce in there and some cottage cheese. And then like you pour some apple juice in there. And then you let it sit for like eight weeks. And then it gets really moldy. And it's like this globbing slosh. That's the best picture I can give you of human nature. That's the best picture I can give you of your heart. As I was thinking about it, I was thinking, what's the grossest thing I can think of? Those are your works before God. God doesn't want your works. He, he just doesn't want them because they aren't good enough. It's gross, right? So thinking of that, thinking, you know, the law can't be, can't be accomplished. You know that your heart is totally dead. And I'm, I'm sorry for presenting all these nasty pictures, but... This is where, what we have to do in order to stand, understand that salvation is all of grace. Because we have to render any idea that we can do it on our own completely dead, gone. You can't obey the law and you can't be justified before God on your own. And so with our hamster illustration, not only are you a hamster running on a hamster wheel endlessly, also try doing that as a dead hamster running on a hamster wheel endlessly. Good luck. It just doesn't work. And so we understand the law. I think pretty well. Paul says, you can't obey the law and further you're dead to it. He says that we are not justified by works of the law, but here's the good news and here's, here's our, our turning point. Paul says, but, look at, the, look at the verse on your page. Yeah, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law. Okay, so it must be of grace. But, however, that's the word he's using. It is through faith in Jesus Christ. And so we see this next phrase that Paul uses. What are the next two words that Paul uses? Anyone? After but. Through faith? 
Yes, through faith. Paul says, we're not justified by works of the law, but through faith. And we learned last week what faith is in conversion. It's the same thing. It's faith. But here, when Paul's using it in this text in Galatians 2, if you notice, we'll read through the verse, but if you notice, it's always said right before the words in Christ or in Christ Jesus. It's through faith in Christ, through faith in Christ Jesus. Let's just read Paul. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And so we also have believed, that's, that's faith he's speaking of, in Christ Jesus, in order to be justified, what? By faith in Christ. Paul couldn't be any more clear that faith must always be accompanied by Christ. And so when we want to be justified, Paul says, okay, here's the method. It is through faith, it's by faith, but it, every time he says faith, it's always accompanied by Christ. It's always accompanied by the person of Christ. I think um, this could be understood by illustration as well. Uh, as I was reading up on justification, this picture was used by one of the writers. And, and if you think of an engagement ring, an engagement ring has got a band and it's got a gem right in the middle of it, right? This, this dazzling, beautiful, sparkling gem. And there's this, this ring, though, this band that wraps around it. And so the picture that he uses here, though, is that, that faith, your faith, is nothing by itself. Nobody, nobody really wants it. But when, it's, when it wraps around, it envelops it, it clings to that diamond, that beautiful gem. That's when it becomes a ring. And that, that's when it becomes a promise of eternal life. That we're justified before God. And, and further, it is nothing else in here. Paul adds no other um, restrictions. Paul adds nothing on top of this. But he says, by faith in Christ. That, that, those are the only words that he uses to qualify justification. And so we, we, we can't add things onto our justification. It's not that we're justified with, by, by faith with the assistance of X in Christ or by faith with the assistance of grace in Christ or by faith with the assistance of the law in Christ. It's that we're justified by faith or through faith solely. And so if that's the case, then you should all be asking in your heads right now, okay, I can be justified through faith in Christ then what is it that I need to know about Christ or who, who is Christ? And this is, this is actually where we get to the, I would say the crown or the pinpoint of the doctrine of justification. If Christ is not present in your justification, in your scheme of justification, if Christ is not present in your theology or in your thinking or in your heart, then there's absolutely no hope. And so justification centers around the idea that it is in Christ Jesus and that it's in him alone. And so look at, look at the verses that Paul says again. He says, through faith in Christ, numerous times. And so we have to know, okay, who is Christ and what's he done? Right? Don't you want to know that when you're interested in someone? You're like, okay, who are you? Like, you want to get their name? And you're like, and like, what do you do? Christ here, your salvation hangs in the balance. So I hope that you would want to know about who Christ is. And so if you listen to nothing else that I've said up here. I, just, I, I pray and I hope that you listen to who the person of Christ is. Jesus Christ is the son of God, comes down to earth, lives among sinful human beings. We've already seen the state of human nature. He lives among sinful human beings and, and that law that we couldn't obey, Jesus actually lives that law absolutely perfectly. He's a kid who always gets 100% on their test, right? Sits right next to you. He obeys the law perfectly while he's on earth and then dies on the cross. 
Paul says in Galatians 3 that those who are under the curse of the law, those who have disobeyed the law, are to be punished by being hung on a tree. But Christ obeyed the law perfectly, and then he's hung on a tree. So he actually did everything just right, and then he's punished as if he didn't. And so we have to ask the question, like, why does he do that? But Christ does that on our account. If we have accepted him through faith and that every single right, every single righteous thing that he did and every single merit that Christ did while he was on earth, he does that on, on your account. That's those righteousness, those righteous things are moved to you through faith. But then why does he die? He dies in order to take the punishment of sin that each of us are deserving of. And so because our human nature is to break the law, because we have broken the law so many times, think, think now about, as I said earlier, think now about the, the things that you've done, the things that you felt guilty for. Those are the things that are put on Christ that he takes on himself. And so his death pays for your guilt and his life makes righteousness to be counted to you. That, that is how we answer the question of how is justification applied to you and how is it accomplished that is by grace that is through faith and it is in christ and in christ is just go crazy with the highlighter so then our third question how does this apply to me or in simpler terms who cares turn uh, to zechariah 3 in your bibles This is in the Old Testament. This is before Jesus came to earth. But it has a little, it has like a little, a little story in here for us. And I love it. It's, it's reassuring. So turn in there. I'll give you a minute. All right, Zechariah 3. This is a vision that he saw. It says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. So Joshua standing in the throne room of God, that, pic- that picture that I asked you to think of in your mind earlier, because you, you will someday stand in the throne room of God, just like Joshua is right now. And he's standing before the angel of the Lord and on his right hand is Satan accusing him of all of the evil, sinful things that Joshua has done because Joshua was a man just as much as you are. Or woman. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? God's saying, Satan, shut your mouth. I saved this one. And now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. He's got these just disgusting, filthy garments. He fell in the mud on his way there. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him, he said, behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you. This is what Jesus does. This is what Jesus does for you. You stand in the throne room of God, the the holy God that we sang about. You stand in his throne room and you're covered in, in filthy garments and in mud. And God then takes those garments from you. But then it goes on and it actually makes it even better. And I will clothe you with pure vestments, he says. He promises. 
And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and they clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. This is, this is a picture. This, don't let this be something that's like just hidden in the Old Testament, an Old Testament story that doesn't matter. And don't let justification be a doctrine that sits on the top shelf of a theological library. Justification is, is a doctrine that is very much alive and it is a doctrine that should penetrate your hearts as believers from sixth grade through 12th grade. And when you think on justification, the one thing you should think of is faith in Jesus Christ. And then you should think, okay, what has Jesus Christ done for me? He's taken away my sins, my, my filthy clothes, the, the filthy things I'm wearing, and then he clothes me with pure vestments or pure clothes is what that means. And so this is then applicable for you, believer, when you're fighting against sin, when, when you keep falling into sin, when you, when you keep um, sinning against the Lord and it seems you cannot stop, you've been justified. Because when you enter into the throne room of God, it doesn't matter how many puddles Joshua fell in on his way there, or it doesn't matter how many times that you're sinning, now that you continue in sin, but it doesn't matter how many times you have sinned, it is all of the free grace of Christ that he's justified you. Or when, you, when you're tempted to sin, you've been justified. It's no longer in your nature to do those things that you once did. It is now in your nature to, you're clothed in pure vestments. On Easter and Christmas, when your parents make you dress up, do you go out and play in mud puddles? Hope not. Hope not. Don't do that. When you doubt your salvation, this is, I don't want to belittle this one because it's, this is a real thing. Some of you have been saved, you've been justified, and then you doubt your salvation sometimes. And that's a very real thing. The, the church in Galatia was doubting their salvation. Luther doubted his salvation until he understand the doctrine of, understood the doctrine of justification. And so I hope for you who doubt your salvation, understand this doctrine that it is all by grace through faith in Christ, that it's external from you, that you've done nothing for your justification. You've been justified. And now those of you who are without faith, what do we have to say to that? Well, I, I told you that you are a dead hamster on a hamster wheel. That's not a very nice way to say it, but the point is that as long as you continue trying to live in a, in a performance-based mindset, as long as your heart towards God is, I, I will do better, I'll do better, I'll continue trying, whether you love God or hate God, it doesn't matter. You never can live up to the law. Every single person in here, I'm speaking to you who have not been justified, every single person in here who has been justified at one time realized, my works aren't working, I need to be justified by grace through faith in Christ. Those three powerful phrases. And so I, my prayer for those of you who are not justified is that you would, you would see the law, that you, would, that you would fear the law, that you would tremble before the law because it exacts something of you. It asks something of you that you can't give to it. It's like a tax collector who keeps coming around. And he's going to keep taking everything that you have every single time. But Jesus comes in and then he drops a big bag of money on the table, shuts the tax collector's mouth and sends him out. That's what Jesus does for you. And all it takes is faith. It's faith in Christ. And so if that's you today, don't delay. Let, let that burden slide off your back, like off of, off of Christian's back up here, the bag that slid off of his back. Let the burden slide off your back simply through faith in Christ. And so, justification. It is by grace. It's nothing that we've done. 
It is through faith. It, it, is, it clings to Christ. And it is that faith that is in Christ Jesus. He's the, the crown jewel of justification. And nothing else is. And so I hope that tonight, as you, as you go out from here, you'll be able to say that Christ's righteousness becomes mine. My sin becomes his. Christ's suffering and his death is my comfort in my life because I have been justified by grace through faith in Christ. Father, thank you for every one of the students in this room, Lord. Thank you for the leaders. Thank you that you've allowed me to study this doctrine, Lord, to hear your word from Galatians 2.16. I pray that this um, idea of justification, what you've done on, on account of sinful human beings, on account of me and, and anyone who believes in you in this room, Lord, that that would not quickly go out of their minds, Lord, but that they would wrestle with that, that they would um, see that doctrine. But that I also pray that because of the grace and because of the goodness and the freeness, it's almost crazy how free it is, Lord. Because of the freeness of it, I pray that they would walk out of this room rejoicing and exulting, singing holy, 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 just as we came into this room. I pray that you would be glorified in their conversation and in their life groups and in each of the students' hearts. Amen.